fans welcome to sequels suck i am your host cable brandon sage and we are going to be talking about one of the biggest franchises in movie history star wars and i guess one of the inspirations for talking about star wars is because one of the sequels that did come out um just like really gutted me to the core and just disappointed me so so much that it is a sequel that I will talk about negatively <laughs> instead of, uh, I guess, sequel sucks being about, I guess, positivity. This is going to be a podcast about a particular movie, but me and my guests will sort of, you know, dibble and dabble across the whole range of Star Wars sequels. So with me, I've got a man that podcasts all the time about a million different things, but has also spent 50 hours talking about the Star Wars franchise. Um, Ben Waterworth. Hello. Thank you for having me. Should I say, should I say General Waterworth? Oh, General. Wow. I feel, I feel very special. Thank you. You could call me Darth Waterworth. Oh, I was going to say Darth Waterworth. Does that make you Quai Cable Gin? Is that who you are? (laughs) If I like drinking gin, but no, (laughs) I I don't like gin. I actually don't like gin either. So, yeah. Oh, you like Liam Neeson, though. Yes, I do. I do. And it, it's funny you bring that up, too, because I remember there was a funny, I wouldn't say meme, but there was one of those things years ago I remember seeing that someone had mocked up a bottle. I don't know if it was a just a Photoshop type thing or a print or it was an actual gin that they made, but it was a Qui-Gon gin and it was <laughs> sort of a logo done up on a gin bottle. So and I, I remember thinking that was pretty cool, though. Well, if, if nobody has, and that was just a meme, then like somebody right now needs to create a brand new, you know, brand of gin and call it Qui Gon Gin. Perfect branding yes. right there. I'd buy yeah, absolutely, it. absolutely. And then you'd have to somehow maybe make sure you didn't breach copyright, or I'm sure the House of Mouse will come after you and make <laughs> sure you pay your penance. That's all right. And... They'll just pay you four billion dollars for it and ruin it anyway. So it's all good. Yes, that's true. That's very true. But I guess hopefully with their TV shows, they've sort of turned a corner because, I mean, I'm pretty sure you finished The Mandalorian and you were happy with that. Oh, very, very happy. I think that it's it's a weird year 2019, wasn't it, for Star Wars? Because we had all this hype around Rise of Skywalker and kind of you had hype, but you also had low expectations just i think around what we experienced with the last jedi and probably what you're going to talk about in this episode but it really did surprise us how good the mandalorian was and i think by far the best thing that disney has done since they bought star wars was the mandalorian because yeah that felt fresh it felt original it was unique um baby yoda is amazing of course um giancarlo esposito back on tv as a evil psychopath incredible um yeah uh, Mandalorian was fantastic, so um, yeah, unfortunately I feel we're talking negative stuff today, but if we were talking about The Mandalorian, I had nothing but praise for The Mandalorian. Mm. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more, and I, I, I'm, I guess when we talk about, I guess we should say The Last Jedi is the movie that just disappointed me so much. 
but I'm still happy if we can try and talk about some sort of positives along the way. I don't want to be a total uh, negative uh, podcast, um, whereas a lot of other podcasts slash YouTube videos uh, and Facebook posts that delve into some of these recent Disney additions to the, I guess, the Star Wars universe, uh, people do speak. I think there's more negative than positive that's come out of um, yeah, so I'm happy to go where we can, where we go, and I know you and me will probably go off on a little bit of a tangent here and there. Never. If I, yeah, and, and look, <laughs> plug your plug your podcast because I have been listening to. I'm still getting through it because there's a lot to listen to, but uh, there's probably times you and Colin probably a little bit off the rails. Well, I don't know and how many times was, we mentioned that, about sand. So, I mean, I think out of the 50 hours, we talked a lot about sand for about 46 of them. So, you're welcome. Yes. If you like sand, it's coarse and irritating and, rough and, and it gets j- everywhere. And Japor, and Japor Snippets got uh, messed up. If that was a drinking snippet. game, you'd actually <laughs> die of alcohol poisoning, I reckon. <laughs> Wait till you get to the Disney ones and we get on to Lapita Nolongo. Um <laughs> Gets better. Yeah. So I guess we'll, we'll just hone in, um, put the homing beacon on The Last Jedi right now. And uh, I remember listening to you and Noah, you did a podcast when you first saw it or, you know, you, you recorded yourselves in the line about to go in and then you had uh, instant sort of um, thoughts after the show and then you did a podcast maybe a couple of days later, I think from memory. I mean, going back to that time, like, I, I don't, I, I can't remember you being super negative, but you, you were sort of maybe on the fence. You didn't know how you felt about it. Still, I mean, how has that changed, or was that? Well, go back. Like, tell me, tell me what what you were thinking about the Last Jedi. Yeah, I think you know, I remember leaving it being on the fence a lot because I I do remember walking out of it not hating it like straight away. It wasn't like a, oh, this was terrible. I know Noah was a bit you know straight away like oh, I didn't like it. And I think kind of, you know, it took a lot of talking about it, talking about it, and digesting it to the point to to really realise the problems with it. I, I think, I think this has been a thing with every single one of the sequel trilogy movies, to be honest with you. But I think the difference between the Last Jedi mixed with the Force Awakens and the Rise of Skywalker is that the negatives outweigh the positives. And when you really digest what's happened and the difference things that Ryan Johnson tried to do with it and you realize how badly it it just it took this franchise you know f- past a point where really what did JJ uh, Abrams have to do in the rise of Skywalker with it you know it's kind of it, it's a tricky one and I I remember I went and saw it a second time I was like okay it got a bit better but yeah and then I really avoided watching it again until just my most recent rewatch and it it just got stained more and more and more and you know, it's just... I've always said with The Last Jedi that I, I appreciate aspects that Ryan Johnson has tried something different, but at the same time, it's just too much different that he tried. And it just... it Ultimately, now having seen The Rise of Skywalker, seeing this trilogy as a whole, I think the majority of the problems do come with The, um, with the Last Jedi and, and how it's turned out. But it's just... It's just a movie that really is such an oddity in the world of Star Wars because there's so much in it that is just not necessary. 
There's so much stuff that, to me, Ryan Johnson has just gone, aha, I'm going to subvert your expectations because you're expecting this and you're expecting this. But guess what? None of that's true. And screw you all because whatever. We had Broom Kid, which, okay, that was a pointless storyline. <laughs> um, and just... Oh, and they destroyed Luke Skywalker. They they destroyed yeah. the character of Luke Skywalker. Uh, we had the worst character in all of Star Wars ever. I'm sorry, it's not Jar Jar Binks. It's Rose. Rose. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and Rose was fine in the Rise of Skywalker because she was scaled back, just like they they Jar Jar'd her, just like Attack of the Clones after the Phantom Menace. But even we can all appreciate Jar Jar, can't we? Oh, did I just lose you some listeners? Anyway, <laughs> I'm. This is why our episodes go for 50 hours over on the Oz Network. Download now. But, yeah, it's just... I don't even still know how to comprehend The Last Jedi because I think in closing, it's just... This is the film that really signalled this sequel trilogy as just having so many problems with it and problems that you can't really fix because of this entry in the franchise. The only way they could fix the the trilogy would be if they had it gone. We have monumentally fucked up <laughs> and redo episode yeah. eight to yep. the way or the structure that was sort of the map that they maybe had outlined or not. I don't know, but done it and then had a satisfying finish. But it's interesting to note that apparently there, and I'm sure you've sort of been you had the finger on, your, on the pulse as well that. Apparently, JJ has sort of come out and his cut of The Rise of Skywalker was scaled back a lot by management at AKA Disney. And yeah, there was a longer cut, but also a lot more stuff that may have been a little bit more controversial. Either way, he there's a different cut, and the cut that came out definitely wasn't one that JJ was happy with. And a rumour too um, that he initially wanted it to make it a quadrilogy. I, I just recently read a thing that I, I knew yeah. that because I think the film he initially wanted to release was over three hours long. Um, but then I'd also read a part that JJ wanted to make it a two-parter. Um, yeah, and I which, don't know. I don't understand. Mm. I don't understand if you're. I don't know why they wouldn't go down that path if that can help fix and really tie up and really answer all the questions and make the Skywalker saga finish on a high note or at least a satisfying one, if that means we get two parts and two movies that are like two and a half hours long or even two hours each, that's going to make them a squillion dollars. Like, why wouldn't you do that? Ten years ago, they would have, when we were doing it with Harry Potters and Twilights. And, you know, remember the Crave ten years ago was let's make the last part two parts. And obviously Peter Jackson got into a lot of, crap because he made the hobbit into a trilogy when really it should have only been one part so 10 years ago i i don't doubt they would have done this in a heartbeat but i think i think the hobbit really turned a lot of people off doing this and a lot of people i think through twilight as well were a bit angry hunger games did it too from memory so yes. yeah, they yeah, did, yeah i think it's it is i i agree with you i think that that would have made it made sense um because i know we're not really talking about the rise of skywalker but you know, a large criticism of it, and I think most people will agree with this, whether you like the film or not, is that it does feel like about two or three movies into one, and there's so many... The pacing is just too quickly. There's just so much happening that just, you know, just doesn't make sense with a lot of things. Um, and The Rise of Skywalker is a much more enjoyable film than The Last Jedi, but only yep. just. So, yeah. 
Yeah, I I would maybe slightly disagree in that that's a movie I definitely, you know, watched it the twice and was entertained from the opening, you know, crawl to the end. But like you and uh, Colin, when you peel it back in your podcast, there's definitely issues there when you really analyse the story and how it fits into this whole nine nine movie uh, arc. It, it has its problems, but if you just go purely on entertainment and almost as as if it was a standalone film, it's a very entertaining film. Mm-hmm. I, yeah, it just the thing I guess with the Last Jedi where that kind of disappointed me as well, and and this goes into I guess by extension, The Rise of Skywalker. And look, in fairness to JJ, I think he's, he set up some great stuff, I think, in The Force Awakens. I agree. And again, I'm, I'm pretty sure you said this in one of your podcasts as well. And this, I totally agree with this, and I've said this for a while, that I think by trying to go back and give fans what they loved about the originals and not the prequels, they copied the template of A New Hope too much for The Force Awakens, but I could still live with it because it was entertaining, it was a new journey, introduced some new characters. But by the time he gets to The Rise of Skywalker, he's come back to kind of fix the problems of The Last Jedi and try and make it all work. The the issue I have with, the, I guess, the sequels, and I'm sure you'll agree with me, and, and this is with... The people that I do know that somehow like The Last Jedi and have liked this sequel trilogy, I'm happy for those people. Don't get me wrong. I'm happy. If you get to go to a Star Wars movie and you enjoy it and you love it, I'm happy for you. Uh, I can't tell you how to feel. But for me personally, I've always been obsessed with Darth Vader and, and by Luke and just that whole, I guess, that thing and then you know that's probably why i don't hate the prequels that much because you get to see anakin and how he gets to that point and and then you, by extension you know you get that experience with obi-wan for me this sequel trilogy just destroy destroys a lot of that six movie setup and yeah, kind of doesn't doesn't resolve it and it kind of moves oh, i just don't understand mm-hmm. like how they just didn't i and like when they, you know, they're going to bring out the, the, you know, the 4K 27 disc box set next year, and yeah, of course I'm stupid enough. I'll, I will buy it because you want to see all the extra stuff and you want to have those original six movies in 4K. But I kind of feel like, how can you call it the Star, uh, the Skywalker saga? Because it's kind of, you know, Leia. Unfortunately, you know, Carrie Fisher is no longer with us, but she wasn't much in the Force Awakens. I know Kylo Ren's her son. But then, you know, in the second movie, she's floating through fucking space. <laughs> and then and then you kill off Luke and he's just this angry old man. And I'm like, this is not the Luke I grew up with and this is not how he should be. And and I know, like you're saying, they subvert, oh, we're going to subvert and, and your perceptions and not just give you what you think is going to happen. Mm. But it's like, who on this, in this, on this planet would actually like the Luke that they gave us? Like, I know some people... Uh, obviously do and some people still sprout why it's the greatest thing and rah rah but it, it's a crap Luke. They they went and killed that character. Mark Hamill said it. Um and I think a lot of people have you know I think if you really could survey, literally survey every Star Wars fan, I can guarantee you I reckon ninety percent of people would say I hate what they did with Luke. 
And then they killed him off, which was another retarded thing. I just don't understand how he can't be central to the story, in, especially at the end. And then oh, I don't know. I just do you agree? Like I don't. They took the focus away from Luke and Anakin, and it's like, what is this dribble? This three three episodes. I don't understand. Like I know they're trying to say, oh, that he redeemed, and oh, that he had a voice, and I. But no, I agree with you. There should have been Hayden Christensen fucking Force Ghost or someone oh, or yeah. something that sort of really at least connected the dots a bit better and, and he had more of an influence or he, he even comes up as a Force Ghost and gets behind Ray and helps her or something just to make it feel like it fits in with the, the journey. It, it doesn't. It, it, nothing. I don't know. This is what happens well, when you talk Star Wars because, as you can tell by the tone of Cable's voice, yeah. it gets uh, higher and frustrated and frustrated, and you start getting angrier and angrier. This is <laughs> this is what this trilogy does. And Let the hate flow through <laughs> you. And I think I think it's an important thing to always bring up because the prequels divided fans. There's no hiding behind that, and I don't think that you, myself, um, Colin. Anyone who is now a prequel defender, I, I I don't like saying now a prequel defender. I've never been a prequel basher. I've for sure seen the points about why they're maybe not fantastic movies compared to what people are expecting. I understand it. I don't sit there with, you know, rose-tinted glasses on. That's a colour, not the <laughs> character. Um, <laughs> so biased with my opinion that, you know, this is it. Like, I can definitely see the issues. It's like, you know, the, the joke on, on our Bond, download 007, uh, you know, that I'm a Die Another Day fan. I can see the problems with Die Another Day, but I enjoy it. Um, it's no different to people who like The Last Jedi. I might not agree with you. I'm not going to agree with you. One of my very good friends is a, is an avid Last Jedi defender. And I haven't had a chance to talk to him about The Rise of Skywalker yet, but he posted on Facebook like, thank you, JJ, for creating such a brilliant film. And I commented like, really? Um, But like, that's the thing. Like, that's their opinion. The prequels tell a comprehensive story from start to finish. And okay, the argument is you knew what we were going to get with the prequels. You knew from day one when we saw the opening crawls of The Phantom Menace that eventually where we were going to end up with, right? They, they needed to end episode three basically in their starting positions for A New Hope because this was well before Rogue One or Solo were even thought of. So that's basically what it does. And it creates a complete picture from A to C, whether you like them or not, whether you're a fan of the acting, the, the special effects, whatever. No Star Wars fan can deny that George Lucas created a comprehensive trilogy that wrapped everything up beautiful and then that ties into your point before that then when you've got a one to six story arc you have a complete picture the 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 first six movies are about the rise the fall and the rise again of anakin skywalker it's the anakin skywalker story that's what it is there's no denying that what the sequel trilogy has a huge problem with is a telling a comprehensive arc from a to c because there is none and that comes down to a lot of problems around with the changing over. Let's create a director for every single movie. Let's do something different. Okay, on paper, that sounds fantastic. But why aren't you going to then create from A to C a, a complete picture rather yeah. than having one man come in and go, this is what we're going to do. We're going to set up all of these great things that, you know, because let's all not forget how excited we were at the end of The Force Awakens. Whether you liked the movie or not, we were at least hopeful of where we were going to go with. Then Ryan Johnson comes in and goes, nah, nah, nah. And then, oh, okay. 
cool. All right, well, sure. And then JJ comes back, the saviour, well, he's going to make it all better again. But then we got, like, what did we have to work with? And it's just a muddled mess, all three movies. Um, there, The thing with the, the sequel trilogy, too, is that you have so many fantastic ideas, but, like, use them differently. Like, here's an, an example of that would be, say, The Rise of Skywalker. We have the revelation that Leia was training as a Jedi, and then, oh, no, but I had a vision that my son's going to turn evil, so let's leave that open to the next person to come along. On paper, that's fantastic. But why are we seeing it for 60 seconds in a movie halfway through when we've only got about 45 minutes left to wrap everything up? Why aren't we seeing that in The Force Awakens? That would be great. That would be fantastic if we had that in The Force Awakens. The Emperor's alive. Okay, cool. Fair enough. We can get on board with that. It's Star Wars. Nobody ever dies in this universe. Bring that into The Force Awakens. Bring that in halfway in The Last Jedi. And then give us something to set up. I saw a great example the other day that somebody compared it to. Imagine if we found out, and here's a spoiler alert for those out there, that Darth Vader was Luke's father in Return of the Jedi. It's not going to have the same impact as it did in The Empire Strikes Back, right? So, like, there's all these ideas that are jumbled together that if you bring them in earlier or create a bigger picture, that I don't think we're going to be complaining as much. I know from my personal opinion as a Star Wars fan, the majority of my complaints about the sequel trilogy come down to the execution of ideas that just don't work. The ideas are fantastic. It's just the execution is just woeful. And I think the fact that you have a movie literally called The Rise of Skywalker... And the only basic element for this being a Skywalker connection is that in the very last scene, Ray, for whatever reason, decides that, oh, guess what, everyone? I'm a Skywalker. Lol. Cool. That's got nothing to do with it. And it just takes away from your first six episode arc about creating this legendary Skywalker name. So, yeah. Yeah, oh, my voice I, is getting higher too here, Cable. It's happening. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's fu- it's funny you mentioned that because uh, we had in the cinema, a packed cinema that I saw it in. So I saw it at the 1201 with a lot of fans and there was a lot of woohooing and happy and clapping and stuff like that. It's hard to know. Like when people see it, like I feel like people were being positive about it and maybe they had – I went in with low expectations after the last Jedi because I'm like, where can they go with this? Um, I'd heard the same rumours as you that JJ wanted to split the movies because he knew it was such a big effort to try and, I guess, make this all work. Uh, so I did go in thinking, well, JJ is going to try and do the best he can with what he was left to pick up the pieces with and it's probably going to be this movie that probably should be four or five hours, um, but it has to be, conden- like you said, like two movies condensed into one. Um, to sort of try and wrap up as much as possible. But in the second session I went, which was pretty packed during the next day, as soon as she did the whole, the ladies, nobody's lived here, a bit like that. Annie, Annie, my knees. Um, I thought, was that the same? Storm's coming, Annie. Yeah, I was like, is that the same? I was thinking, is that the same lady? Is she back again? I didn't even think about that. That's yeah. brilliant. And, and then, because at first I'm like, oh, what's this going to be? Cool. Oh, this is like going to be a throwback. And then as soon as she goes, uh, I'm a Skywalker, there was a guy that like just got up and go, just like shake his head and just walk straight to the door. <laughs> like the movie was over. But you know what I'm saying? It's like, he's like, oh, you're fucking killing me. You're killing me with these movies. Like, and look, you know what's sad too? I've, I, again, I don't know your opinion. We've talked about Rose, and and this is and this is what I do hate about the Phantom. Where 
um, you know, people reach out personally to some of these actors and actresses and, and start bagging them. It's not their fault whether they just want to be in a movie or they want to be employed, they want to give their best effort, but whether it's the dialogue or that they're just their character arc is just rubbish, don't don't attack those people. Just have your view on the characters and like you and me have said, Rose Rose was a terrible character and her motivation was stupid. Um and Ryan Johnson obviously had an affiliation to that character, wanted that character because it was like a kind of nerdy sort of version of him, he reckons, or if you watch his documentary, whatever. But um, she was a terrible character. But I feel like I liked the character that was set up in The Force Awakens of Finn. I liked the Kylo Ren stuff. I liked the Ray stuff. And I liked all those actors playing those roles. But I think, again, The Last Jedi smash down all this potential and people can correct me if I'm wrong and uh, again, have a different opinion, but and I, I had thought about this recently and then I actually, you sent me a link to a video. Uh, was it, is it the screen janitor or the cinema janitor or something? One of those. Either one. Yeah. But he, he actually talked about how they, the last Jedi stuffed up the Finn character that he had all this potential. He was the first sort of storm. Well, as far as he knew, you know, the first storm we saw as an audience that said, hang on, this is wrong. I, this is not me. And you kind of, Oh, is he going to, is he force sensitive? He kind of feels like he's, there's something about him. And he was this, it was this great character they're building up. And then they made him a joke in the second movie. Like he played second fiddle and he was on this stupid side mission, but he was kind of like the, the goofy black guy. And it's like, that's so true. It's like, what the hell happened there? Like, and then JJ's kind of got him back on track and kind of, he's kind of had a sort of good finish to the series. But again, I was like, why did we introduce all these new characters anyway? Like, I'm confused because we're, I don't know. I understand Disney want to sell toys and, and recoup their $4 billion, but I don't know if enough of them, do you know where I'm going here? Like, you can set yeah. up a couple of main characters that are going to play through, but some of the other characters we got were just junk. And then why we got Dio as another another droid? We we've sacrificed two of the greatest robots, <laughs> droids, <laughs> whatever you call, in cinema history, in C three PO and R two D two. And thank God that was probably one of the things I loved about Rise was th- we got classic three PO back in a movie, and he had something to do, and he was sort of pretty important in the the role he played and he was funny and he had those moments like in Empire or Attack of the Clones. Yeah. Uh, whereas R2 is, um, I, don't, I don't know if that was you or Colin or someone who really loves R2 and I know other people that love R2 and they're kind of like, what have they done to that character? Because he's one of the most beloved sort of, you know, characters, probably top 50 characters in, you know, movie sort of history and then you – have him, he's so integral in six films and then you've shunted him off and replaced him with BB-8 and then he's just a nothing entity like we what were seeing for a couple of seconds in Force Awakens, a couple of seconds maybe in The Last Jedi, if I can't remember seeing him really in that movie and then, yeah, a couple of seconds in this one and he's more just the comedy for 3PO to play off with his memory wipe stuff and, oh, you're my best friend. But, I mean... He's relatively, you know, I don't know. I, don't know. I just, again, that blows my mind that they couldn't find something for him to do or just have a different, oh, I don't know. 
It's just, I think, I think the thing with the characters though is like, again, really the way we talk about this, I think just sums up the, the sequel trilogy because the problem that the sequel trilogy always had to balance was, you, you know, long-term Star Wars fans want to see your OG characters return because I think we all remember when we learnt that Disney had bought Star Wars and that they were going to be making this sequel trilogy. The, the first thing that jumps to our head is not, oh, who are the new characters going to be? It's literally, oh, my God, are we going to see Luke, Leia, and Han again? That's the first thing we all thought of. And then when they were confirmed, because I'm pretty sure from memory, Mark Hamill and Carrie Fisher were like, yeah, I'm doing it, and Harrison Ford was a last minute. You know, oh, cool, yeah. And then we all remember that first photo we saw of them all yes, sitting around the round room, table, yeah. And we all just got excited because I think for the most fans... You know, we, we knew the prequel trilogy wasn't going to have these characters. It was a chance to see younger versions of the characters that we knew. Again, it was the Anakin story. Whereas, if we ever were going to get this, this is what we expected. And I think this is the issue that they obviously had to have because they had to balance these older characters with newer characters. And I think that another issue the sequels didn't land, didn't stick the landing, was who really had a complete arc out of all the characters, both old and new? I would maybe argue only Ray, because even Kylo Ren, who was my favourite in the sequel, I, I loved everything Kylo in all of it. He's one of the most unique and amazing characters in all of Star Wars. I just think in the last half of The Rise of Skywalker, they just they they took so much away from his character, which is disappointing to me. I, I think the Ray the Ray and Kylo Ren stuff was all the stuff that we every Star Wars fan would agree was the most interesting stuff in the sequel trilogy. And they didn't quite stick the landing with it. But would you say that is Ray the only maybe complete character? And even then, there's a there's flaws in the Ray argument as a complete character. But I mean, because Finn, as you said, really just you know what did they do with him? Such a unique concept. Let's get a stormtrooper and turn him good. But okay, that kind of went nowhere. Um, you know, Poe, uh, not really. Um, uh, you know, Leia. Obviously, you can't really do much. Sadly, after Carrie goes uh luke no um han solo possibly i mean he was missing from a movie and kind of was good to get that little cameo on the rise of skywalker moz definitely not uh <laughs> snoke definitely not um rose no chewy he was an uber driver for two and a half films um <laughs> c3po he had a great one movie the other ones he had a red arm what happened to that oh no let's just forget about that r2 no bb8 he was a murderous prick in the second one and then the other ones like what happened I don't know. Is it Ray? Is Ray the only one that you could argue has maybe a complete arc in the sequel trilogy? Uh, yeah, I'd probably say. I mean, if you're going to have... Yeah, I, I think that's probably a fair sort of... I agree with you. I like the idea of Kylo Ren, but again, I felt like, unfortunately, this movie... I think we... Again, I'd like to hear your opinion, but I felt like he was going to get redeemed a bit like Vader in the end of this, which he he did, but again, it just felt rushed, and and the timing of it didn't didn't feel right, um, and and just how it happened. And again, I think you and Colin might have touched on it. There was probably a better way to do it that would have been more satisfying. Uh, but what do you do? I, again, I still think a lot of it stems from firstly Ryan Johnson being given way too much free will to do whatever he fucking wanted. Um, and and that that's fine if you're directing a standalone movie, not part of a major franchise where there's so much writing on it and there's so much, like you said, there's six films, when there would have been at the time seven films preceding it, 
and he's got the middle act of a three-act structure or three-movie structure that he's got to tie up. Um, and then you could argue then it goes into JJ maybe as an executive producer as well, him not having a firm outline like that. Like, I don't like – there was someone that argued against this Marvel sort of analogy, but, you know, Disney owned Marvel, but at least Kevin Feige has – he's the overseer of to make sure – certain things happen a certain way at least or there's an A to B through line with characters have to, you know, a character can live or die in this movie or this character has to get through and have this issue um, because they have to be in the next Avengers movie or it has to tie into this movie. But at least the directors can then add their own little bit of flair around the sides. But generally there's a plan or a map for how how these characters have to get from A to B. Clearly that wasn't done for these movies, which blows my fucking mind. Yeah. It just, like, I can understand Ryan putting his own flair on things and, and, and you know, doing a Canto bite thing and going, oh, well, we'll do this casino plan and having a bit of your own visual style um, and coming up with certain, you know, uh, I guess set designs and, and locations and maybe if Disney go, oh, you can do this, this, and this. But there had to have been. How could they have not sat down and going, okay, this is where Luke has to get to. This is where Carrie Fish is going to go. These are the major plot points. We want these characters. And then every little side alien or whatever, you can add your own little touches and your own little callbacks to the original movies or the prequels, whatever. you got a bit of free reign there, but this still has to be a structure that's adhered to. How mm. they couldn't have done that after they spent $4 billion, how Kathleen Kennedy couldn't let that slip through her fingers and not that stuff not be in check blows my mind. Which, and I think, look, I think you make a very good point when you bring up Marvel because I, I kind of feel that we got these movies in the wrong period of history when it comes to filmmaking because what the MCU has done for a lot of movie making has destroyed this idea of having a solo adventure and just creating a blockbuster that doesn't have to be tied into everything else. I, I know a lot of what Colin and I talked back on when we did all the Spider-Man movies, for example, in the lead-up to the first um, MCU Spider-Man movie, was that, you know, what made those early 2000s superhero movies fantastic, you went into every single one of them clearly knowing you were going to get a sequel, but you didn't have to have everything connected. You can you can watch Spider-Man 2 as its own entity without ever having seen Spider-Man 1 or ever going to go see Spider-Man 3. Like, you can have it its own little beast. Mm. And, like, the MCU has destroyed that because now every man and his dog wants to create an expanded universe and do this and everything. And I think the Star Wars idea, again, on paper is fantastic, but I think that it just destroys what we have because we had all three of these movies in four years that's, yeah, and that's way yeah. too soon. And even in those gap years, we had Rogue One and Solo. So we have had a Star Wars movie every year for five years. Now, if you go back ten years ago and say that to, you know, younger Colin, younger Cable, younger Ben, younger Noah, younger Star Wars fan, we're going to be like, fuck yeah, Star Wars movie every year. I'm down. But it, 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 Star Wars is not a franchise where you need that. Star Wars is like James Bond. Star Wars is an event in itself. You yep. could literally run a trailer with a white screen that says, Star Wars, coming in November. And everyone's like, oh my God, it's Star! Ah! Like, you don't need a trailer for Star Wars. You will sell half a billion dollars worth of tickets based on the name alone. 
And that's where I think Disney have overcompensated themselves, thinking, well, it works for Marvel, it's going to work for Star Wars. Solo was a classic example of having too much in the space of too little time, particularly off the back of a movie like The Last Jedi. And you're already seeing with the box office returns for The Rise of Skywalker that we're not on par for even The Last Jedi. So I think that people have a bit of Star Wars fatigue because... It's no longer an event like it used to be, and I think they've just but, overcompensated themselves thinking that this will be too much like the MCU when Star Wars doesn't work like yeah. the MCU. Well, I was going to say that I agree with that too, but do you think fatigue is a little bit – is not the sole reason, is that people are kind of done with what – just people that – I wouldn't say what's the word – um like, you know how there was talks about Solo, people boycotting Solo, which I was never going to do. I would still go and see Solo, but... Solo is the best. Can I just interrupt and say Solo was the best movie, in my opinion, that Disney have released. I'm not talking about Mandalorian. That's separate. If you yeah. if you take the Disney movies, the five that they've done, I rank Solo as the best. Not in a popular opinion, but Solo, I think, is unfair. That's another episode I'll gladly join on with you for Solo. Yes. Anyway. I, I'm, yeah, I'm definitely a Solo defender as well. I... I absolutely agree it's a movie they didn't need to make i think exactly. it's a story yeah um i think but now that they, they they made it and i can it's another one i can put on and just really enjoy agree and yeah is it the best star wars film, film of all time no but is it the worst no it's just a good entertaining movie and because it is a little bit different and it's solo and it's a bit of a heist movie and a bit you know a couple of you know it twists and different it feels yeah. unique. And that's just to jump in quickly, that like that's what the Mandalorian, I think, as I was saying before, like it feels unique enough. And I think a key aspect too, and I'm sure if you want to bring up George Lucas at some point too, is that yeah. you, the touch of George Lucas, again, the prequels, no matter what you think of the prequels, they feel like Star Wars movies and they feel unique on their own. Everybody think about the first time you ever saw the original trilogy movies. We can all picture them from start to finish, and we know the unique little aspects. If you turn around and say any character, you know, Max Rebo, Return of the Jedi, like, you know, Boba Fett first appears in Empire. Like, we know that off by heart because they're all unique, but they're all connected. Similar to what I was trying to say about, like, the original Spider-Man movies and things like that. You can watch them all in their own, whereas even the prequels, you can do that too. I don't think you can do that with this. You couldn't just put on The Last Jedi and go, oh, yeah, this is its own beast, if you know what I mean. Like, that, there's an issue there. Yeah, there's, I think, that was the other issue they kind of had with The Last Jedi, if we would get back onto that, is that they did something fairly unique in that they set the movie like, I don't know, I've heard different versions, but it does feel like it's literally almost like a five seconds after the last movie. This is oh, straight is. on. And I know people have tried to change it, but then there's stuff even with that, that, that like you were talking about 3PO with the red arm, like all of a sudden he's got a silver arm and he looks cleaned up. And I'm like, they're in the middle of a battle and they're trying to escape and evacuate their their uh, their base. Like who's stopping to fix 3PO's arm? Like, that, like little things like that. It's like that's just stupid. And then someone released, um, it was in one of the Star Wars groups I was on Facebook where, People said, oh, did, like the, uh, did people notice how uh, in The Last Jedi the uh, the troopers' helmets are actually a little bit different? They look a little bit better. And I agree. They actually look a little bit meaner and a bit more sleek that Ryan Johnson actually redesigned it. Like, if you quickly looked at it, you wouldn't even really notice, I don't think. But when you put it side to side to the helmets from Force Awakens. But, again, then I, said, then I made the comment in the, in the group. It's like, 
Yeah, but it doesn't. It's not even logical that that would even. Why, why would there be an evolution in the helmets? It's not like there's years between the movies well, or even months. Yeah. This is like when seconds like they're not outfitting new helmets to all these troopers, especially after Starkiller Pace gets blown up. Like, who has time to be refitting all their helmets and, re- you know, I'm like, it's, it's so stupid. And, again, yeah, it comes back to, yeah. I think, the problem with Ryan Johnson, too, like, he obviously, he didn't set out to make a crap Star Wars movie. Don't get me wrong. And some of his other previous work, trust me, I love Looper, and some of his other stuff's fantastic. And I was super excited when he got the, the gig to do this movie. The problem is, and I implore people, if they do listen to this, go and watch the documentary that he did. I think what's it called? The Jedi and the director and the Jedi or something like that, which is on uh, the, obviously the Blu-ray or the 4K version of The Last Jedi. And like, it's kind of cool because he has some great ideas, but then I like, I think he's just way too ambitious. And people kind of say that in the documentary, like he just had, you know, he the amount of money he almost would have spent if they let him have free reign on sets, costumes, everything, and even in the time frame they had to do it. Like even the builders, like we just don't have the time and the money to do all the stuff he wants to do. It was just way too ambitious. All the stuff he was doing, and it's like, yeah, great, you have this visual flair, but worry about the fucking story. Yeah, and I think, look, this is it's a very good point you make, particularly around the timeline, because, um, and I'm not going to try and claim credit, this is a Colin opinion, but I think it's, it's relevant to this conversation, is that, you know, he, he defends Ryan Johnson in the fact that what did Ryan Johnson have to work with? He literally had no choice but to pick up The Last Jedi within five seconds of The Force Awakens because of the, the cliffhanger ending. We all loved that cliffhanger ending, don't get me wrong, but I'm an advocate of let's have that scene with Luke, like, in the next movie, and just you know, you kind of were forced to have Luke in it because of all the promo and everything. But you know, imagine them ending, going off into light speed, and then the credits roll before we even see them arriving to see Luke. That would have maybe fixed the entire trilogy. But I think, like, yeah, in defence of Ryan Johnson, not words I like to say, but he didn't have a lot to work with in there. And again, he tried something different that ultimately didn't work, and that we can be angry at. I've never seen anything else that Ryan Johnson has produced. I'm I'm skeptical to see that Daniel Craig movie out at the moment because I hear it's very good and I like Daniel Nine Craig. Out. Yeah, but it's done by Ryan Johnson, so I'm kind of scared to see it. But I think like this is the thing because if you actually if you watch the Rise of uh, Force Awakens and Last Jedi together, that only all takes place over the course of I think 36 hours, if that. So like this is the thing that I have a problem like with the characterization of like Ray and Finn who are so like close to each other like dude you've known each other for 12 hours. Um like it's kind of what's going on there. But and like this is the thing too because another issue that you can then look at the rise of Skywalker that only takes place 12 months after the last Jedi. So you've got the entire sequel trilogy taking place over a year and like what at 36 hours. The prequel trilogy happens over, what, like 18, 19, 20 years? The original trilogy happens over the course of about five or six years. Um, And this is the thing that you have. Time creates a whole endless string of possibilities. If you want to be this way of, oh, I'm going to create a TV series, I'm going to write a book, I'm going to do this, great, tie things in. But don't rely on your tie-ins. This is another thing that they seem to be so focused on, let's rely on our tie-ins to fill in the gaps. That shouldn't be how things work. The one thing I'll say about, just back to The Last Jedi, and going on to what you were saying about how, you know, Ryan Johnson had his ideas and free will. I always 
as, as a mad Jurassic Park fan, I always like to compare The Last Jedi kind of to Fallen Kingdom, two films that ultimately the fans generally hate and that went in such a different direction to what people were expecting. And J.A. Bayona with Fallen Kingdom had a very similar thing. He had a pretty solid reputation coming into it and he took something that was pretty much everyone knew and took it into a different direction. I, for one, am a Fallen Kingdom defender, whereas I'm not a Last Jedi defender. I think that Fallen Kingdom, he took so many ideas and made it unique and opened up this world in the Jurassic Park franchise that all of a sudden now the third Jurassic World movie is maybe the most excited I've ever been for a Jurassic Park movie ever because I was like five in the lead up to the first one. I can't remember how excited I was. I was a kid. I liked dinosaurs. I was always going to be excited. Um, But I think that it's sad that sadly I can't say the same for The Last Jedi, even though as much as I am negative on The Last Jedi and I'm negative on Ryan Johnson and I maybe will never see a movie he ever does ever again based on that opinion... I can at least appreciate that he's tried something different, but sadly, it didn't work in my eyes, at least. Mm. I think, I again, I will defend him to that point too. That I think what he did, he had the balls to make some controversial calls, but the problem being, he he just went all out trying to do too much i think i instead of maybe you know making one or two controversial decisions or something that might like you said like you know the audience won't expect but will be kind of cool or would make all sense you know all be wrapped up neatly in a nice little little package um by the end of the trilogy he i feel like it's like seven eight nine things he did that just totally went against the grain and I think it was too much. And this is going back to, you know, five, ten minutes ago when you talked about the fatigue and just even just the setup of how many movies we saw in such a short time span. That's my other real big problem with um, these Star Wars movies is they need time. You need to be able to, you know, have the time to you know, film or, you know, write the movie, design the movie, film the movie, edit the movie, do the music. It all takes time to perfect it. And that's why George purposely, when he did do the prequels too, because they're doing so much with new, um, I guess, they were shooting digitally. They were doing a lot of new stuff. You know, they had to do Yoda as a CGI character, all that sort of stuff. They had to give themselves three years, just like the old movies. He's like, well, let's stick to that. And even then, like, you were talking about Attack of the Clones. Oh, sorry. Well, I was listening to your Attack of the Clones uh, podcast. And, you know, they nailed so many um, effect shots that look amazing. And you would believe, like, some of those clone troopers were literally actually there in proper armor when they were completely in the computer in someone's imagination. And Yoda, I, I, I defend the look of Yoda. Um, I still think he's fine. You know it's a CGI character, but... It's not the puppet, but I've never had issues. I know people hate the CGI Yoda. But then they go and stuff up a piece of fruit floating through the air and, <laughs> and being bitten into. Like little things like that, that, that sort of shits me. It's like, oh, I, know, I understand you're putting all this time into all these other characters and that's probably an effect. You think, oh, that's an easy one. We'll fix that later or we'll worry about later. But you have to – these movies need three years prep time or at least a three-year window to – 
get them done to the best that they can. And even then they're rushing. Like I know Colin brought up a couple of times, there was a lot of reshoots, even in the prequels. And he was, you know, even weeks out before the movie is releasing, he was fixing up a couple of shots here or there. This is the problem Disney, I believe as another stuff up, they put the pressure too much on themselves to bring these trilogy movies out. Don't worry about solo and rogue one on the side. These movies every two years, they just, they box themselves into a corner where they, it meant they had to commit to certain things that they maybe say they were up in the air. Oh, did we do this for Luke? Did we not? Or Carrie Fisher, is she going to do this? They had to make, they obviously didn't have any wiggle room. They had to lock things in and make decisions on things when they may, may have not been fully committed to, but they had to, they had to get it done. So that's where I sort of think in fairness to Ryan Johnson too, is that the timelines that they did things, was just ridiculous for the scale that of these movies and, you know, how much money they put into them. I just can't believe they even thought they could really achieve fantastic results. on like, And I know they try and just, oh, well, we do it with Marvel movies. But, again, I feel like that's a different, like you said, it's a different beast. Maybe it's a bit more of a fine-tuned, you know, machine on that side of things. But with Star Wars, when you've got a lot of, globally a lot of fans, um, hanging for these movies, and like you said, they're event films. You need to give them the proper care, and I don't think they did that. Yeah, no, I agree with you completely, and I think like um, that's a very good point you make about committing yourself to a release date because we even saw that was it last year when they had um, you know basically saying like, hey, we're going to be having a Disney, uh, you know, this date in twenty twenty one, this date in twenty twenty four that they're locked in for a you know a Star Wars movie, and it's kind of. Now, as Star Wars fans, we now know, oh, I'm expecting a Star Wars. And that's how movies work now. It's, it's, again, something that the MCU has changed, really. Because, you know, think 20 years ago, we'd be like, oh, cool. So we know there's going to be a, a Spider-Man movie coming out in 2002. You know what I mean? They didn't lock it in the release date. I'm sure they did. But it wasn't as widely announced as it is today. I mean, we basically know for the next five years what day there's going to be a Marvel movie, what day there's going to be a Star Wars, you know, an Avatar movie, a, you know, a DCU, all these sort of things like that. And Because that's just how it works now. That's how the machine works of Hollywood. But yeah, like, as you just added and I said before about Marvel, it, it works differently. And I, I think it's also very important you mentioned about that expectation because Star Wars fans are different to MCU fans. You know, Star Star Wars. I don't. I, I. I don't think there's a question. Star Wars are the most passionate pop culture fans alive. That that I would struggle to say anything is bigger in pop culture than Star Wars, based on the fandom and everything around it and the impact it has had on pop culture. And I think that you know Disney run things a certain way. They have their ideas of how things work in in certain franchise and everything. It's all well and good that you want to own everything. Fine, that's your prerogative. Mm. But you can't treat Star Wars fans the same as Marvel fans because it it doesn't work. And I think that that's something they need to sit down and and have a good long meeting about and, and work this out. Because, for example, they seem to you know, ignore George Lucas, for example, in terms of ideas and, and input, because to me it comes across as, oh, well, the fans didn't like the prequels, so let's distance ourselves. What was the problem with the prequels? Oh, George Lucas. So go away, George. We're going to take over from here. Forgetting that George Lucas is the guy who created this damn thing. If there's anybody yeah. you're going to have, 
um, you know, to come in and, well, and have kind, an that's, import. That's kind of why I defend the prequels to a point in that I, think that you, I, I understand a lot of criticisms about the prequels and, and what a lot of people that I know that just swear by the original trilogy. At the end of the day, it's George Lucas. Like you said, it's his baby. He's created it. It's his universe. Whether the movies are good or not, you, you can't deny that it was his vision and that's something you sort of go, well, you know, it's just like if you and me decide to make a movie and we take it a certain path and maybe the first couple of movies are really popular and then the, the third and fourth or the fifth and sixth aren't as whatever, but at least it was our story or our outline and maybe we went off and <laughs> went a bit crazy and, the, you know, we became coke fiends and, and Hollywood <laughs> snobs and we uh, – went off the tracks a bit, but at the end of the day, no one can deny it. They're your films and it's your vision and, and it's your universe or whatever. But with Disney, we can be a little bit more critical because they've bought the works and then they've decided to add to that. And then it's, no it's almost so like if, Picasso. You have, yeah. It's like having all the Picasso paintings and then buying a lot and going, well, I'm going to add a few more paintings on it. I've got a couple more rooms that need paintings. I'm going to try my version of a Picasso. Like it's like everyone has a vision really... that's different. Like yeah. every and like it's it's not like Disney is the first company to ever take a popular, you know, pop culture franchise and, and own it differently. Like here's a weird sort of side note, but like as a Formula One fan, an American company called Liberty Media took over the rights and control of the sport now in the last you know three or four years. And they're struggling, I guess, to kind of create this new youthful image to the sport while also keeping its traditions. So there's a lot of traditional fans who are saying, okay, well, what you're doing is great, but you're cheapening it a little bit now and you're making it a bit, like, tacky, whereas Formula One's a little bit more prestigious than, say, indie cars or something like that. You know, it's, it's no different, like, yeah. as, as, as footy fans, you know, when, you know, we remember the Demetriou days, you know, mixed with what we've got now and kind of, you know, things are different. But different companies, different people, they run things differently. Let's look at America right now. Donald Trump's president, 10 years ago, Barack Obama was running it differently. It happens. That's life. I don't think that, you know, it's it's fair to purely blame Disney on all the crap that's happening because, again, when the prequels are out, people were blaming George Lucas and he was the guy who created it. So it's kind of a flip-flop what I was just saying a few minutes ago there. But I think that the thing, too, that... Is, is very interesting from my perspective, the way that Disney's handled a lot of what they've done with Star Wars is pandering to fans. And that's a good thing, but it's also a bad thing because I think that if we look at the rise of Skywalker, another thing that a lot of people will say is that there's a lot of fan service, which, okay, great, fan service works. But at the same time, it's almost like they were too afraid to do something vastly different, which sounds contradictory when here we are saying Ryan Johnson did stuff too different. But that's going back to my point of saying that I appreciate Ryan Johnson did things differently. But in my opinion, your opinion, and a lot of other people's opinions, it didn't work. It could have easily gone the other way and we could be here praising Ryan Johnson as the saviour of Star Wars. So I think that, you know, Disney towing that line, because Force Awakens is basically a new hope remade and a lot of people at the time were going this is fantastic the star wars film we've all been waiting for but again four years later five years later it's not really that great it's kind of okay well you've just remade a movie basically and you've not you've been too afraid to try something new and again back to the prequels defense 
there's something new. There's something different we're seeing. Like, Jar Jar Binks is a new, different, unique character, whether you like him or not. The battle droids, there's something unique, new, and different, whether you like them or not. Anakin not liking sand is something unique, new, and different, whether you like it or not, okay? Like, this is the thing. And it's just Disney, again, was so bipolar in this trilogy about, I'm going to try something new. Oh, wait, no, it went too far. Oh, we better pan it up. Oh, Chewie's getting a medal. Um, It's like, oh, I'm doing it again, aren't I? But, yeah, I I feel, yeah, I don't know. Um, yeah, we could, we could, I, we absolutely could go on for hours. I just, I feel like uh, this episode we needed to talk. I needed to, I guess, vent because I know I don't. Yeah, I don't even. Write, I don't even write a blog, but I was so. I, I guess like I'm not like, and I hate being potentially put in that toxic fanboy group because as soon as I started to more and more, I stewed on the Last Jedi, and the more I sort of hated what. They did with certain characters and and some plot points that just to me didn't make a lot of logical sense. Now I know again, Colin, you've clearly spent a lot of hours covering um, all the Star Wars, Star Wars movies, and and there's been a lot of talk, especially in the prequels. There's a lot of sometimes um, convenient events that happen that make something be able to be be done or whatever, and. I guess that does occur in all the Star Wars movies. Sometimes you, they just luckily know somebody can help them in this, this, and this. But The Last Jedi, too, like, again, what blows my mind is how can fans or the people that do like it, how can they how can they not see the really bad creative, I guess, plot device decisions and stuff that came out of the movie, which are so dumb and... There's so many of them. It's not just maybe there's one like tiny little plot hole. There's so many that are so stupid and don't make sense, and are so illogical in illogical on one level, and then illogical and or ridiculous in the Star Wars universe that's been created already. Like, don't get me wrong, Holdo going through that um, dreadnought or the Star Destroyer, whatever it was, that cinematically looked fucking amazing. Don't get me wrong, loved it, but it undid everything that was set up beforehand. And like, hang on, no, they can't even do that. Like, that shouldn't be a thing. And but Ryan Johnson decided to do it, and it's like, well, then why can't they do that all the time? And and there's there's so many of those in the Last Jedi too that just defy explanation. That makes me think it's even more of a shit movie because he. Look, I didn't mind the. I don't know what your thoughts. I can't remember what you thought about Ray and Kylo kind of having the mind meld. I didn't mind that. I actually thought that was a good new sort of thing with the Force, and maybe it just showed how strong they were with the Force, and they don't un- understand how it works, and but they're able to sort of connect across the galaxy. That didn't bother me. And there's other little things that Ryan Johnson did. Don't, don't get me wrong, that I didn't mind, but later we don't have any background knowledge of Leia really training as a Jedi yet. She's in the deepness of space. She should be dead. And then all of a sudden she comes alive. And then not just that, she floats through air in a direction <laughs> to an escape hatch. I'm like, that's where yeah. it really starts. I'm like, I'm, I'm ser- have they seriously done that? Please tell me this is a dream sequence. And that did not happen because this, it just, 
Which is, this just, is the thing. Know. This is you're talking about these ideas, which again on paper you can you can fix them. You can easily fix them. A line here or this, that, and everything else. And um, and look, there's a side tangent when you talk about things to do with the force. I mean. Rise of Skywalker, let's just introduce 500 new Force abilities that never existed. And the Force just basically, you turn everyone into Superman all of a sudden. I mean, people complain about midi-chlorines in the in the prequel trilogy. I've never had a problem with midi-chlorines. I have a problem with all of a sudden that the Force just makes you superhuman and that, oh my God, look at that. We can be Harry Potter Voldemort now all of a sudden and shoot lightning into spaceships and transfer things and we can heal snakes. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I and that's... <sighs> What I will give JJ a little bit, I'll give him a little bit because I feel like some of that was created by Ryan Johnson in the last movie and maybe he's just like, well, we have to go all out and expand on these powers and I don't know what they're trying to say, whether they're trying to say that Ray literally has the spirit of every Jedi before her within her so that's why she's so powerful and that's why she seems to be good at everything. I think that's how they've tried to explain it. I don't know mm. if that's... Can well, look, or not, but yeah, and the same with the with the emperor in this one. He's so powerful because he's got every sort of Sith before him. So, um, I don't know. We could go probably again. Like I said, we could go on all day, but I, I there's definitely problems with the Last Jedi that just just blow my mind. Um, with even like Rose, Rose and the whole Finn kind of relationship and all that sort of stuff, like. Finn, I didn't like what they did with him in The Last Jedi, but, you know, each of their own. It's just subjective. It's cinema. Everyone's going to have a different opinion. But when he decided to do the suicide run against that giant cannon laser thing that he was going, I thought, well, this is probably almost a great fitting for him that he's rising up against the people that took him away from his family to become a stormtrooper. He's taking his lot, well, risking his life, potentially going to lose his life to save his friends and for the greater good. I'm like, yeah, I get that. That's a good fitting little arc. It's weird. I thought he was going to go into the third movie, but I thought he was gone. He was going to, you know, do do the, I guess, do the right thing. Yet somehow by miraculous uh, <laughs> feats of, I don't know, Rose can actually take him out, save him, and risk everybody else, but also even in that moment, risk both their lives, and then somehow they both still walk a couple of k's back to the base <laughs> without getting mown down by stormtroopers is the most ridiculous jump and expectation that, like, just the most far-fetched thing I've ever seen in Star Wars because, firstly, those speeders they were in, they only go a certain, you know, pace or whatever. Everyone peeled off and left. There's no physical way... Unless you've had light speed for Rose to even get in a position to knock his ship out of the way and, and, and save him. It's not. I've watched it a couple of times in that scene to look. It's not physically possible from what they've shown us. And then she takes a risk. She could kill herself and Finn anyway and risk all their friends over love. It's really yep. important, you know. Like, you, like, just stuff like that just drives me insane about and that's why i think this movie as a sequel again they might introduce all this really cool stuff and this subtext and whatever which again i think is crap anyway but there's so many issues like that in the movie and don't start me on they go to canto bite to find the one and only guy that can hack into a system and they randomly get put into a cell with another guy who can do the same fucking thing seriously and it's come you on think of- people 
And the thing is, you, you think about, um, you know, Benicio Del Toro, you know, you expect him to come back a movie later. Nah. What was the point of Broom Kid? Nothing. Um, he's, I don't know if you listened to our Rise of Skywalker episodes. I think you said you listened to some of them. But one thing yeah. I think that we yeah. came up with the idea was is that the ending of The Last Jedi was almost a better ending of this trilogy than the ending of uh, Rise of Skywalker. I don't know how you would think about that. Um, it makes more sense. It does, that's, that, and, and and that's what that that's what confuses me about this movie because because it feels like that's like the logical jumping off point for future spin spin off movies stories like you said having broom kid older he's got the ring and he, you know he uses the force to pick up the broom that that actually did feel like an ending to episode nine mm-hmm. like once it's all tied up because the kids have got the little toys and they're they're talking about oh Luke's going you know like that to me does feel like and, and yeah you're right it it's a weird ending for the middle story of a trilogy. It doesn't sort of... Kind of it's, it's missing now, isn't it? Like, And particularly like at the end where it's all like, we put the call out, but no one came. No one wanted our call. And then, oh, no, let's ignore the fact in a year's time in the next movie, pretty much a million ships show up from nowhere. Where the hell were they at the end of The Last Jedi? Yeah. But even, even Luke dying, I don't have a huge issue with that and what he did. But only if that was the last scene of... Episode nine. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. You're exactly right. Yeah. Because I remember seeing the Last Jedi, um, not 100 percent believing that he was dead. If you know what I mean. Like, yeah. Uh, another weird connection here. It's kind of. Um, I don't know if you were much into the Matrix movies, but I remember at the end of Matrix Revolutions when it's implied that Neo's dead, but it's not really that clear. You kind of like, so is he dead or is he not dead? Like, it's not a, it's not a final enough. Like they leave it so ambiguous that you kind of like. So he's. So they can dead? do a sequel like next year? Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, like, I remember leaving the Makers Revolution and the Wachowskis were all like, this is it. We're never doing any more again. I remember leaving that in 2003 going, they're totally doing a fourth movie. Like, maybe 20 years later, but come on. They were always going to do a fourth movie with The Matrix. But anyway. But yeah, no, like, I, I think, yeah, I think that would have been a great ending with Luke. Um, because, again, the sacrifice, we should have had this massive battle between Luke and everything going on and, and like this is another thing with the the sequel trilogy that there's big big issue and again this is i think the last jedi's fault because you're setting up snoke as being the big bad for this sequel trilogy we we didn't have a big bad and this is the thing like turn kylo into the big bad in the final one before redeeming him don't just shoehorn the emperor in because oh shit ryan johnson killed off the only villain we had um like it's kind of just uh yeah hmm I, yeah, I, there's so much that doesn't. The more we talk about it now, the more we think about it. And again, like you're, you know, I've tried to stay away a lot from, you know, most sort of podcasts and YouTube videos and and sort of reviews of the Rise of Skywalker because I don't want to get angry about the film because I actually sort of did enjoy it. As so I just sit down, eat, literally eat your popcorn and sip on your coke and enjoy it and have fun with it, whereas. Last Jedi, and that's the other thing. Last Jedi was actually on TV, like, for listeners that might not be uh, from the great land of Oz, like we are. Um, oh, you were actually ago, was it? at the moment. Well, but, I was there. I remember being yeah, on TV when but, I was there. Yeah. But, but yeah, yeah, they, Channel 9 or whoever had it, 
um, we did sort of marathons. So they think they were doing every one every Saturday night leading into the rise of Skywalker, but then they were also playing it again, you know, on Go or one of their other channels that was on as well because I was flicking channels and The Last Jedi happened to be on and I sort of was half doing something anyway and I just thought, oh, I'll leave it on. And five minutes in, I, I, I can't remember what part was, but I was bored shitless. I was like... And then I actually flicked it off, and the missus said, oh, "Oh, you're not watching, you're not watching Star Wars." And I'm like, "No, that's the one I hate." But it was like I couldn't even get into it, and I kind of like I said, I remember seeing Kylo Ren in one of the scenes, but I you couldn't, I can't even remember what scene it was because I'm, it's a movie I've literally watched twice and just don't have any passion to go back to. Well, I think the, the slot, thing so. when we did the rewatch as part of our 50 billion hours. Um, and when you eventually get to that episode, I remember both Colin Don't and I. Fifty parsecs. <laughs> Colin, yeah, it will true. But what is a parsec? Is it time or is it distance? No one knows. Um, I both Colin and I said the same thing. We went into our rewatch wanting, like I went into it not wanting to be negative. I'm like, right, I'm going to watch the Last Jedi and I'm going to watch this and look for positives. And there are definitely parts where if you go in it with that mindset you can do things. Um, and like you mentioned before, like the visuals of like, say the Holdo maneuver was fantastic. I'm sorry, but the Porgs are fucking fantastic. I will love Porgs till the day I die. I'm staring at one right now on my desk. I've got a Porg Pop Funko vinyl. I love the Porgs. That works for me. I don't have Porgs either. Porgs are brilliant. Um, and look, Laura Dern's character, Holdo, was kind of crap, but I love Laura Dern. I love Benicio Del Toro. I love the fact that both of them are in Star Wars movies. Fantastic. Their characters are kind of crap, but at the same time, I I forgive them because it's Laura Dern and it's Benicio Del Toro. You know, we had a Bond henchman and Ellie Sattler in a Bond, in a Star Wars movie. I'm happy. Um, but, yeah. Uh, <laughs> it's got one of the best posters of all of Star Wars. I love the Last Jedi poster. It's a fantastic-looking mm. poster. But going back to the visuals, like, I think, look, I'm going to implore you and anyone that does listen that does love Star Wars and wants a better perspective on any of the movies. But, you know, there's obviously some great documentaries out there that generally come with the DVD release or the Blu-ray, whatever you want to call it. Um, Empire of Dreams is such a good documentary. Um, Unfortunately, George, as far as I know, didn't really do anything for... The prequels per se, there's no one overarching documentary that sort of covers them all. Like, there's just so much content um, that they filmed as those movies are getting produced. So you get sort of the double disc sort of edition where you've got so much content to look at. But there's no, unfortunately, again, correct me if I'm wrong, but I don't think there's an actual one-off documentary I that don't, really. I remember seeing all. Yeah, I remember on the DVDs. Like, um, I know there was a really good Phantom Menace one. Um, that wasn't yep. that like just wasn't it just called the beginning or something like that? Like, and it just went, yeah. went for about so, an hour or two. That was fantastic. But I don't know if there's yeah. one for all three. I know what you're talking about. Yeah, but like I said, the, again, I, I believe it's called. Oh, shit, I probably should look it up. I will look it up as we were chatting. But um, I believe it's called the Director and the Jedi. Jedi, and it is it is good to see where Ryan was going. But again, I think maybe his head was a little bit in the clouds. Like he was way. I think that's the other problem. He was a bit too ambitious, so it was all about like because the Canto Bite Casino, which is not something that's heavily featured that much in the movie anyway, is for again who knows like when they talk about movies and records and this and that, 
But I believe well, they do say it's one of the biggest sets of all time that they ever built hmm. for a movie. And it's like, what, for just a shot that you can have a camera zoom through and see some casino tables and that, and, like, really, you spent all the money on that? Like, for me, that's, again, that's miss, you know, it's like maybe maybe you should have tidied up the script a bit more or, or come up with something more exciting. But I will give him that, at least visually, like that scene, um, the crate scene where you have the, obviously the the salt and then and the red under the salt and some of the looks he gave us some new stuff which I really liked, but again the the story has a lot of problems um, and like you said how boring oh, chase chase through uh, space and waiting till they all run out of petrol like well that's um, a big thing, again isn't it? the pet again <laughs> again it was different but again you know and then they introduce. I know you, you guys, you and Colin talked about it in the Attack of the Clones about tracking through hyperspace, which um, there's debate within the Star Wars sort of world, is that even a thing? And, um, you know, them being able to be tracked through hyperspace, which is a big plot point in this movie, which people still argue, like, oh, that shouldn't be right, blah, blah, blah. And then, but they, they dropped it in Rogue One to sort of plant the seed that, oh, well, it's something the Imperials are looking at and trying to work out. Um, to sort of fix that up a bit, but I don't know. There's just so many, so many issues with the movie, and it's disappointing because I don't like being negative about the Star Wars movies. And I'm again, I wish I could be someone that could just sit them all on, watch a marathon, and be happy. But again, I just feel now, now that the, the saga is complete, <laughs> that uh, for now, I, I just I can't. Yeah, I can't picture myself. Not that I have that much time when, when you have little kids that you don't have this sort of time to have marathons. But even when the kids are old enough, they really want to watch Star Wars. I feel like I will watch one, two, and three. I don't know which order, whether I'd start at A New Hope and then go backwards as you sort of, you know, how they were released cinematically. But I definitely think one to six, absolutely, no no holds barred. Like, watch those. But I, I just don't. Think it's almost like I don't want to tell the kids seven, eight, and nine exist because I just don't feel like they. For me, they don't fit in the saga. They don't feel like they're. They feel like they're separate entities. Like they're still Star Wars, but they're not really. Um, I think that's a good point, and I think yeah. I know I've had conversations that with some people about how people have said like I, I just to me Star Wars ends at Return of the Jedi. There's nothing else after Return of the Jedi, and I think that's I guess kind of the beauty of. This you can kind of just form your own viewpoint of that, and um, you know, again, I, I kind of keep referring this to other films that you know, sort of involved in and kind of love. But I mean, look, the, the only other franchise that really holds the candle for my love for close to Star Wars is James Bond, and it's oh. it's kind of how I look at the Daniel Craig films versus the rest of them. It's like they're fine films, and you know, I enjoy them. Uh, but to me, James Bond is everything pre Daniel Craig. Like Daniel Craig's kind of taken it in a different direction. And that was the point of rebooting it with Casino Royale. But to me, James Bond is a bit campy. It's a bit silly. You've got a bald headed guy blowing up the world with a laser. You know, it's James Bond doesn't have to be super interconnected. If you know what I mean? Like you view things in your own lenses and how you want to do it. And I think the important thing too, for us as well as Star Wars fans is that, you know, at least most generations have their own, trilogy you know for our parents their own trilogy was the original trilogy it's what we grew up on for you and i it's the prequel trilogy because that's what we experienced in the cinemas that was our age group yep. that's what we experienced and for people nowadays who are our age and our parents age when those ones came out they're going to have the sequel trilogy and 
I respect that. I, you know, I'm sure in 20 years time when we're going to be, you know, analyzing the 20th anniversary of these films and that sort of stuff, you're going to have 13 year olds today who are going to be, you know, in their 30s like we are now, who are going to be defending these movies and saying, well, these were our movies as we look at episodes 10, 11 and 12, um, you know, in like 2040 and all that sort of stuff. So, you know, and I appreciate that. That's one good thing about Star Wars is that kind of for the last 40 odd years, each generation has their own trilogy. And we're all going to feel certain connections to them in different ways. We've got big connections to the prequels. We love the originals. And the sequels, well, you know, they're fine, I guess. Um, But whether or not we want to accept them as being part of this whole franchise, well, that's for us to decide. Mm. Did So here's an interesting question. Your fiance Mallory, when you've sort of coached her through watching these movies. I did, she's yeah. got, so she's seen it through f- fresh eyes. I'm sure she knows some pop culture stuff about Star Wars, but pretty much she goes in blind. She's watched all the movies now. I mean, mm-hmm. does she pick up on the fact that the sequel trilogy doesn't really fit or was she still happy with them? I mean, because... Yeah, as there's a new person coming in, I'd lo- love to know maybe what she thought or did, even in her eyes, did it feel like they sync well all together or not? I don't know if I'd know, I'd know that conversation about like whether they fit in well, but I mean, she definitely had more issues with the sequel trilogy because, you know, as soon as we watched The Force Awakens, she was like, oh, I want to watch the next one. I'm like, eh, you probably don't. <laughs> and then... <laughs> She didn't really like The Last Jedi. And then when we left The Rise of Skywalker, she was very much similar to me. She's like, well, I don't really know how I feel. Like, I feel like I need to see it again. Like, there was this, that, and everything else. Whereas when we watched all the other ones, um, you know, she was easy. She was able to form a more cohesive opinion straight away. Like, she loved The Phantom Menace. She's straight away. She was like, wow, I love that. Like, you know, God, I actually really like Jar Jar. Like, just things like that that you don't hear people saying. Um, she fell asleep yeah. in The Empire Strikes Back. <laughs> So she thought The Empire Strikes Back was boring. Um, but, like, again, she she was still able to form solid opinions more so on each of the movies, whereas I can't say the same for the sequel trilogy. So, um, yeah, I, I would I would be intrigued. I, I can ask her whether what she thinks of them fitting in with the other ones. But, um, you know, I'm just happy that she kind of likes Star Wars now. So Yeah. I just James Bond's I next. Bond. James Bond. <laughs> um, yeah, like uh, like I said, I, again, I don't want to harp on the negativity, but it just, again, it was it was a bit like, um, to put an analogy, I'm not like super angry, but it was more, I feel like um, Padme at the end of uh, Revenge of the Sith, you, you, you're breaking <laughs> my heart, you're going down a place, I cannot go. And it's a bit like that for Last Jedi, just sort of, I know they Disney don't intend to go out and make a movie that's rubbish and or shits on the other movies, but I feel like it just, I don't know. And I I don't know, like, I mean, I feel the other problem, like going back to the whole problem with trying to do a movie every two years, I feel like from what I heard and when, when the negative sort of, when the fans started seeing the movie and the negative started coming out, then I think one of the stories that got, whether it was true or got leaked or trying to half defend, was that Ryan, because it was such a really tight timeline, Ryan Johnson had to start writing and have a lot of his ideas down and his story ready to go, and The Force Awakens hadn't even premiered in the cinema yet. Mm. So there was still that sort of issue with... 
And that, that's that's not right either. Like, that, it shouldn't have happened like that. He should have been able to see the movie, watch it once or twice, or even had the previous screening. JJ goes, all right, you're the next director. Watch this. This is the, the outline we've got. Um, now you've got three years to sort of start writing. Get yeah, get get on get on your bike and start going. Whereas the timeline's so tight, he's writing as the movie's, you know, you know, coming out. Um, that's that's probably not ideal either. So which you, which you um, want to know? You want to know the stupidity of that? If Weird Al fucking Yankovic can get basically ninety five percent of a parody song correct based on internet rumors and everything along those lines, yet Ryan Johnson can't have access to a movie that he's writing for the next yeah. one. Should have got Weird Al Yankovic to write the Last Jedi. Yeah, yeah, I, I yeah, it's it's crazy, isn't it? I think. Um, I just you know you just shake your head and you go, you know, what do you do? I mean, I don't know. Well, see, this is the other thing. I'm I'm, maybe this is my point. I'm maybe trying to defend the creators and whatnot. But you know, if you watch the documentary, and Colin talked about this too in the Take the Clones, there's a whole documentary on trying to get visually get Yoda right, and that takes a lot of hours and a lot of you know trial and error. Getting some of these characters, especially the CGI stuff, is not it's not just a walk in a park. It's like, yeah, these guys know what they're doing, but it's still a lot of man hours. It's a lot of computer programming slash rendering. There's a lot of work that goes into the CGI for some of these characters or, or some of these scenes. And especially with Star Wars, which relies on that, you need the time to do that sort of stuff. How again? How they just sort of thought they were going to be able to do a lot of that stuff and be fair and and give the movie its full attention? I just don't know if Disney really thought about it. And again, they maybe they just thought we're on a winner with this Marvel. We know what we're doing there, so it works. So we can just replicate that across to Star Wars and have multiple projects on the go at once. Whereas going back to the like you're saying, the event of Star Wars. Honestly, and I know this is not the most uh, efficient way potentially of doing things if you want to tune out movie after movie every year, but personally, I would have loved to have seen if, again, you know, some of the people that probably did come back from the prequels, that, um, you know, the people that sort of have been involved with Star Wars over the years, let them focus on Episode 7 with J.J., and get the best crew, the best experience, people, and all their 100% of their time and dedication is to Episode 7, and that's it. Mm-hmm. And I feel like that's probably what, what happened was, yeah, they might have had people dedicated to Episode 7, but then have a lot of new people that might not be Star Wars people and, and, or, and or give a shit or understand the love for Star Wars. And then but, then, but then you've got to have people that are on Rogue One starting to do Rogue One. Because that's coming out in, in such a way. So there's, then you may be spreading your workforce of Star Wars people across another movie. But then, oh, hang on, now we've got a pre-production on Episode 8, and then you're spreading the load again, or you're getting more Disney people. Or And no no offence to outsiders or maybe people that are qualified, they might not share. The, it's a job for them. They might not share the same Star Wars passion as a lot of the people that came on board for the prequels that helped George Lucas and do all that visual stuff that was amazing because they grew up with the original. They loved the original so much, and that inspired them to get into Hollywood or get into visual stuff, whatever it was. A lot of the people, when you watch the documentaries, 
they got into the prequels and got a job because they love Star Wars so much and it inspired them to be who they were and whatever. I don't know if that same love was in the Disney camp, and I can't say that categorically whether, categorically whether that's true or not, but I feel like, again, if, say, I know clearly there's more than 100 uh, cast and crew on a movie, but let's just say with easy numbers, like say there's 100 on you know, each prequel, like 100 like hardcore people, George Lucas people he trusts, people that know how to animate Yoda, people know how to do Watto, all these people come together every couple of years or just work for nine years and make the best that they can of the movies. But then you get Disney to come across and go, okay, well, we'll get about 75 of those people. We'll give you another 25 newbies and then, oh, but hang on, 25 of the people that, oh, you've got to go over to do and start doing work on Rogue One and then, oh, hang on, this 25 have to go over here. And then you're just spreading your Star Wars people too thin across too many projects at once. Potentially, well, think, yeah. Uh, yeah, and that's um, and that could be just totally fan fiction in my head. But I feel like that's another problem they probably did that they just didn't have enough of the right people in the right places. But I think you're right, giving them think, the right time care. Yeah, I think you're very right because I think kind of everybody gives the credit to was what's his name, Kevin Feig, or however you say his name for for the MCU. Kind of you've had one you know, person at the helm since it all started back, you know, 2007, whenever it was that he kind of came on board. And, okay, you could argue that that person is Kathleen Kennedy, but, you know, I, I'm not going to join the Kathleen Kennedy bashing brigade because, you know, I don't think it's as valid as everybody says, but at the same time, she is the person in control, uh, so therefore some of it has to fall back on her. But I think you, you make a very solid point because... Again, let's bring the prequels into this. What's one of the biggest criticisms of the prequels? George Lucas was the only one in control. It was all him and nothing else. No one else had a say. So, therefore, no one was um, brave enough to stand up to him and say no. So, that's why they had the problems. Okay, fine. That might be a valid point. But, again, my point is the prequels at least all were connected and all told a solid story from start to finish and all connected in with each other. Then you have things like the Clone Wars and all those sort of things that also fit into it, into that shared universe, but you still at least... It feels like they're all connected enough that people have been talking. You look at all the issues you've had with a lot of these films, not just even the trilogy itself, because obviously you had JJ, then you had Ryan, and you were meant to have Colin Trevorrow. We know how that turned out, so therefore you're bringing back JJ in and kind of the issues around that. Think about, um, you know, the issues around Rogue One and Solo, uh, you know, yeah. with the directors and everyone that was bored in board with all of that, the reshoots and everything like that. So it's, it's not like any Disney film in the last five years to do with Star Wars, they've all had their issues, maybe with the exception of The Force Awakens, and that was kind of the one that started it all, everything moving forward. So, yeah, I think I think you hit the nail on the head. There's just not leadership there, and I don't know if that's a Kathleen Kennedy issue or they're just too busy putting their fingers in too many different pies that they're thinking too much out of the, the scope of things that nothing feels connected, and it's just that's an issue, particularly when you've got a franchise like Star Wars, and again, why it doesn't work like the MCU seemingly has worked over the last 12 years. Yeah, I agree with you too that the, you know, going back again, what you said earlier that, you know, they like to lock in dates and years for particular movies coming out. Now, when Disney bought Star Wars or Lucasfilm, they, like you said, like with the MCU, they did a like a press release and they had the big thing on the board and I think it was Bob Iger got up and he's like, oh, these are the dates and in 2021 and this, this, this and this and we're going to have a TV show, live action and we're going to have the Star Wars Rebels and we're going to have this, this and this. But again, 
in a perfect world, yeah, that's great, but that's a lot. Like, you, I some I know you want to have a map out a plan, but and which is also, mind you, a lot of that has never come to fruition because they've had so many issues. But don't lock yourself into stuff and don't just say this is a plan in our next ten year plan for Star Wars. We hope to have, you know. The, the concluding trilogy of the Skywalker saga. We'd like to do a solo standalone film. We like to do this, but don't lock yourself in so much to certain things. Like until you, I, I think that's the other problem. They needed to almost have a, a creative room where, and again, maybe they did. Um, and maybe fire all those monkeys that are on typewriters that were writing the <laughs> stories, but um, <laughs> with their cigars in their mouth. Um <laughs> But surely they need to have a creative room where they come up with some ideas and make sure all the universes kind of interconnect and don't conflict with each other. And then that blows my mind that, like, we're going back right to the start of this podcast, why The Mandalorian was so good and worked. Because clearly they had people that had a love for Star Wars, have a passion, but know their stuff, have worked in either TV, movies enough to make a good story work and have a story arc and have a couple of episodes that are standalone and not super important to the overall story arc, but have, you know, episodes one and two set up stuff and then for it to pay off in, you know, the, the seven, seven and eight and, and make it all work as a, a beautiful little TV show. And you think, well, they did that so well. well why, again, with these movies, like you said, and I, we, I hadn't even touched on it. Yeah, you're right. They've had so many issues with reshoots, directors being fired. I mean, Gareth Edwards did, um, was it Gareth Edwards did Rogue One? But, you know, I heard like towards the end, I don't think he directed a lot of it because a lot of it was reshot and there was issues with that. Uh, Philip Lord and Chris, is it Chris Miller? I can't forget the, the, the guys that did the Lego movie, obviously got fired off solo. Ron Howard had to come in and reshoot almost like 80% of the movie. That's a big deal. Um, and then, like I said, there's been you know, issues right from the get-go and you go kind of go, well, again, I don't want to bash Kathleen Kennedy either, but it's like is there leadership there or is the people under Kathleen Kennedy, are there enough of the right people in the right places um, creatively to make sure things are sort of somewhat adhered to? I don't know. I mean... I just hope now they've maybe learned some lessons and moving forward that that's they're not going to be too ambitious and just like let's just all focus all of our attention on this one movie and make sure it works and make sure it's a fantastic movie and get all these people back. Yeah, no, I agree. And I think that, um, again, going back to a point I made before, that maybe it is time they all kind of sit down and just have a big meeting about all of this um, because... <laughs> You know, it's it's easy to turn around and say, well, at the end of the day, they're all about the money. They want to they recoup their four billion dollars. I think the moment they bought Dis- they bought Star Wars. I mean, they knew they were going to make that money back within twelve to eighteen months. Like it's Star Wars again. You, you, it's, you're always going to make money on this franchise, no matter what. Um, so, I mean, I think four billion dollars is cheap to buy Star Wars. Let's be honest. Yeah. But um, I think. You know, it's all well and good to own a product and make money off it, but you, you want quality to come from your your money. And I think a, a real positive to take away from what is really being a negative vibe on this episode when it comes to talking about anything, I think, to do with Disney and Star Wars 
is just exactly what we're seeing with the Mandalorian. It's possible that we can get some good products. That I don't think there's been any dislike for the Mandalorian. I think there's been universal praise for it. And if we can get that moving forward now into this new decade with whether you're going to be making another trilogy, you know, other TV series, all this sort of stuff. I mean, think about how excited we are now for Obi-Wan. I mean, we all wanted that as a spin-off movie. I think whenever that Disney announced that we're going to do spin-off movies that aren't, you know, episodes, what was one we all wanted straight away? It was Obi-Wan. I mean, that's been rumored now for, you know, over a decade. So I think kind of we're, we're seeing the potential that they can get there, get the right people involved, um, you know, just work on it a bit longer. I think most fans will not care if it takes another year or two to, to put out a product as long mm. as it's good. Like I, if, they, if they had said to me last year, or not just to me, it's all Star Wars fans, hey, Ben, how you doing? It's Kathleen. Oh, good, Kathleen. How you doing? Um, like Rise of Skywalker is going to be delayed 12 months. We've had a lot of problems, but we want to get this right. There's going to be a bit of initial like, ah, oh, but then you're going to be like, Okay, fair enough. Like, I would have been fine with that. I'm sure you would have been fine yeah. with that. As long yep, as at absolutely. the end of the day, we would have gone, okay, well, I'm glad we waited 12 months because they made it, mm. you know, it, it, we're happy with it. Mm. I, I, having said all this, I mean, I think sometimes, see, I, I don't know what you're like personally, but I know I try not to get too excited and have too high expectations, but I think maybe one of the other reasons why I'm definitely down on The Last Jedi was a lot of the the uh, reviewer scores were so astronomically oh, yeah. high. Like, that yeah. it just got you so pumped up and you're like, oh, you're so excited. And, again, I love Looper, which is Ryan Johnson's other big film that people are like, wow, this guy can direct and it's a great time travel story. And you're just like, oh, wow, this is going to be awesome. And then that's the thing. It's like you go in and then you go, what? Like, and that's the thing. I think if you – get people's expectations way too high as well, um, then, you know, there's they're going to be a world of hurt if there's if it's a lot different to their expectations. So, um, yeah, it's another oh, – yeah, it's one of those things. Um, and I, another little side note, and, and it is awesome to listen to you and uh, Colin and, and go, give yourself another plug in, in listening in, uh, to your podcast on the – the prequels is that I always felt like, and, and I don't know how true this is or not, but I feel like there's always been this underlying kind of Disney bought Star Wars, but it was kind of almost like this vibe that they kind of like, yeah, but we kind of don't like the prequels. We're not going to reference that as much as we can. Like we'll try and almost ignore it as if that's like the ugly stepchild. And I'm like, that's fine. That can be Disney's thing, but it's like the great irony is, that they've kind of made shit films that you kind of like. And they've actually, made they the make... prequels cool. Like, because what are, what yeah, are yeah, people no. saying now? People are defending yeah. the prequels like they never did before Disney bought them. Exactly. And it's kind of like, well, hang on, you guys shot yourself in the foot. Because if, if that was sort of true, that you kind of you kind of go, oh, yeah, the original trilogy is iconic and this and that, and the prequels, oh, we'll, we'll do better movies than that. Or, again, who knows if that's even true. But. I just think that's somewhat ironic, like you're saying, that if anyone that was a not a defender of the prequels before and kind of like not really high on them, I can always guarantee that a lot of people that don't like these movies are definitely going, yeah, the prequels aren't as bad <laughs> as as these ones. So Yeah, no, and that's the thing. That's like, yeah, I'm with you. I definitely think Disney have distanced themselves a lot. I mean, okay, not completely. I mean, you look at Rogue One, 
Um, you know, you, you look at kind of bringing back um, uh, Organa and kind of Mustafar and things like that. There's definitely moments they haven't ignored. But again, they, they for one, really have not acknowledge them as much as they could i mean you look at the rise of skywalker and kind of the the ways they could have done it okay great you're bringing back the voice of qui-gon and mace windu and those sort of things but at the end of the day why don't we get to see them um but yeah like i i think the one thing that i definitely will appreciate disney for doing is inadvertently making the prequels appreciated because they kind of are now. It's the amount of videos that you will see on YouTube or the, like there was a, oh, was it Variety or was it Empire or some prominent publication about a couple of months ago basically said the prequels are better than the sequel trilogy and it caused like big debate amongst the fans. So yeah, whether they've done it deliberately or not and they've accidentally done it, but they've somehow made the prequels uh, appreciated. And if I can take anything away from Disney and their sequel trilogy, it's, well, thank you for making the prequels appreciated like they should have always been. <laughs> exactly. Um. I just want to quickly touch on something else that um, for me is a little bit of an elephant in the room and I just want to get your thoughts seeing again. You've spoken 50 hours plus on Star Wars in podcasts and you and me have obviously talked offline before and Colin and Noah, passionate. The one thing that disappoints me now with the Star Wars community and or fandom it's a very passionate group. The one thing that I think with Star Wars now that disappoints me is something I sort of touched on earlier um, with attacking the, especially obviously these, these sequel movies, attacking the actors or whatever for their portrayal or their characters in the movies, which is just so abhorrent and just ridiculous that, you can dislike a character, but why you would have to reach out to that person or that human that is just playing a character in a movie. It, it, it's not that I'm sure that it's not their creative decision that they're the villain or they're a dumb character or whatever. Like it's just so uh, like ridiculous, but there's people that unfortunately in the community do that. And what, but what annoys me, it kind of, we're all tarred with that same brush in a lot of ways because I always feel like now that when, if I ever speak any negative about a Star Wars film and you're sort of in a group and some people that like Star Wars but they're not super passionate like you and me are, they're like, oh, you're one of those, you know, toxic fanboys and all that. It's like, well, I, I hate that. It's like, what, so I can't not like the movie. Yeah. Always, exactly. but but as soon as that, oh, you must be one of those people. That's why. Oh, that's what's wrong with Star Wars now is all oh, you toxic fanboys because oh, what your childhood's ruined now and all this sort of stuff. And I'm like, oh, and just because you you just you're a boy and you hate all the women in the movie, and I hate that because people, I I know I feel it now that when you say anything negative about Star Wars, there's that perception. I know people sort of hint at it and or think i know they're thinking that that you're that one of those people that is online bashing women or you know not, not physically bashing women but you know what i mean <laughs> sledging oh the women in the movies blah, blah blah hey i'm all for i don't care if there's a star wars movie that's based around a planet of all women or female characters 
I got no issue with that at all. And I did love Ray as a character. I love Princess Leia. I love Padme. Um, yeah, there's probably not enough in a lot of the movies, a lot mm. of females, but Ryan Johnson and that tried to introduce more. I have no pr- problem with it. And if it is what it is, but write good characters. They were crap women. And this is what, this is what annoys me about this whole thing. And, yeah, probably people are going to hate me now as well. But we live in this politically correct universe where it's all about equality and all that. And I've got no, again, no issues with that. It's just people, just because I slam something, it doesn't mean, you know, people try and go, oh, you're bullying someone, or that's discrimination, or you're, you're racist, or whatever it is, or, you, you, you know, you, you know, it's just, or you're sexist. It's just ridiculous sometimes. People just want to then attack, because you don't like something, they have to come up with, you have to have this ulterior motive of why you're prejudiced against something. It's so ridiculous. And, yeah, yeah there's probably 5% of the community that literally hate The Last Jedi because of the female, or there's too many female characters in there or whatever. That That's probably true. I don't, I don't doubt that. But I feel like too many people also want to jump on the other fans that don't like something because, oh, well, you clearly like, don't like it because you, you've got an issue with female characters. Or you've got this. I'm like, I can't stand that. And it's like, I wish yeah, Ellie Sattler was a better character <laughs> or she, her, her motivations made more sense. I wish Rose was a better character. I wish, you know, there was, I, I don't know. I, I can't explain it. But having said that, a lot of the male characters in the movie are crap too. Like they're poorly written. It's I like, think yes, by give me people, a strong, give me a yeah. strong female character. Yeah, okay. Let the characters make mistakes and learn from the mistakes. But yeah, give me a great character. But you, you're not giving me great characters. You're giving me crap and rubbish. And it's like, why would I like that character? Why would I want the toy of that figure on my desk? You know, like it's. I, I think people are misconstruing that as. It, from the wrong point of view as well. Like it's like, like Obi-Wan said, it's from a certain point of view. Um, I don't know. I just think that's a whole debate that's a little bit separate to it, but I hate that that's sort of been really attached to the last Jedi as well, that, oh, well, oh, you one of those people that hates it because there's too many female characters. That's just one of the biggest rubbish arguments that I have. I think, I think in, in people having that opinion, you're inadvertently, there's that word again. I'm using big words in this um, yeah. episode today. Um, you're creating more of a an argument or you're 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 creating less equality by singling out not liking something because of a gender because i know that i go into a film and come out of a film speaking my opinions based nothing more on what i'm seeing in front of me i don't go into anything be it a film a tv show no matter what it is and go oh there's a woman, I'm not going to like them. Or, oh, I purely don't like that person because they're a, a man or a woman or they're black, they're white, they're gay. I, I, I don't give a shit. If the character is shit, I'm going to say that character is shit. I will never say, oh, Ray's crap, but if she was a man, she would be good. Like, th- th- that's just not true. There's there's no thought process. And that would be the same with Rose. If Rose was a man and it was exactly the same character, I would hate it equally as much as I do, mm. uh, no matter what gender. If it was an alien, if it was, you know, whatever. Like, I don't give a shit. It was a bad character. And I agree with everything you said. I think that the way society works now, it's so quick to jump onto an agenda train of saying, well, the only reason you don't like something is because of a gender or a, or a race or whatever. And I think 
most people in society don't think that way. It's the silent, it's the vocal minority on the internet who turn it this way to which then the media will jump on board and all of a sudden we've got this huge big, you know, train of, of this is why somebody doesn't like something. I agree with you completely. It, it is it is absolutely, you know, abhorrent that people jump on board and, you know, a, a, a dissing Kelly Marie Tran as an individual because of her portrayal of Rose. That is not right. I think a, a key aspect of seeing how this can affect someone is watch that clip of Ahmed Best talking about how much being Jar Jar, you know, he, he was going to throw himself off a bridge because of how negative it turned into him. And, you know, it, it's not right. These are These are human beings who are, let's be honest, living a dream that all of us are never going to live. They get to play a character in Star Wars. You know, we would all yeah. do a lot of things to get that honour. Um, and okay, the character, but like, they're just playing what's written down on a page. If anything, blame the writers. It's not Kelly Marie Tran's yes. fault that Rose shit. Um, like, she's doing what she can with the material that's given to her. But, um, yeah, no, look, I, I agree with everything you say. I think it's it's a sad reflection in society that this is what people think um, of people. And... Yeah, like, even with this whole, oh, you know, you're only liking it because it's ruining your childhood and all this sort of stuff. Like, people are entitled to dislike a film. Yeah, okay, we're sitting here for an hour and a half, whatever it is, and saying this, that, and everything else, comparing it to other films, because that's what we've got to work with. This is what we know. And you watch a Star Wars film and you expect certain certain things. There's a vibe to it. There's, you know, a, a feel about it. Again, you get that from a James Bond film. You get that from an MCU film, a Harry Potter film, a Lord of the Rings film. Any of these franchises, you know what you're going to expect. If all of a sudden somebody takes something and does something so different, it's not what it feels like, we've got a right to criticise because that's kind of how things work. Um... And again, for every one of us who is criticising it and not liking it, there are people who will like it, and good for them. That's great. It's no different to what I was saying before with Fallen Kingdom. I like that film. I think it's cheap entertainment, but I can see the issues why people don't like it. You know what I mean? So I think it's just it's wrong that people paint things so quickly with a brush without analysing why people are saying certain things. And I think you brought up a great point before about the reviews for The Last Jedi. You know, what was it, like 92 93% Rotten Tomatoes uh, audience I, I, uh, critical think, score? No, I think it was even higher than that. I think it was like in the 97, 96, but then 97. You, well, you compare that to yeah. the audience score. I mean, that's something that I mm. like to compare to because I'm a big Batman v Superman defender. Mm. You know, critically, that got ripped a new one, but audience score was so higher than anybody ever gives it credit for. So, you know, people can have differing opinions on things. It's it's okay. It definitely is okay. So, I guess on that, if if you've got anything further you want to say, I think we could, again, we could probably go on for another two hours and have episode one, two, and three, but we won't do that. We, I thank you for joining me. And, you are uh, welcome, Cable. Um, for, I guess, this is our pilot episode. If this doesn't get off the ground, there will be no, be, no more me. sequels to sequels stuck. <laughs> yes, Call exactly. me the Jar Jar so. Binks of sequels stuck. <laughs> Well, don't jump off a bridge, please. Don't jump off a bridge. No. Um, There's no bridges where I live. I'm fine. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, so, I mean, have you got any last sort of thoughts on The Last Jedi and anything look, else think, that you want? Well, I mean, look, I kind of just maybe said what I would sum it up in just what I was saying. I think at the end of the day, 
if you're listening to this, you're, you're a fan of movies, you're a fan of, of Star Wars, you're a fan of Cable. Why wouldn't you be? Cable's a great guy. Um, I was named after a movie. Like, come on. There you go. Um, I think we every human being on this planet has an opinion. Opinions are like assholes. We all have one. And I think the key thing to take away from anything, which is, is clearly shrouded in mystery and not mystery in, in crap these days is that people are always quick to think that a, an opinion is gospel. It's not. An opinion is exactly that. We've all got one and every most people's opinions are unique. Generally, as humans, we will sway ourselves to an opinion that connects with our opinions. That's why you and I are here sitting here talking about this because we generally agree on the same things and disagree on the same things when it comes to Star Wars and, and um, Last Jedi and all that sort of stuff. I don't know how this would have worked. If you're a Last Jedi lover and I'm a Last Jedi hater, we would have had a much different episode. But mm. I think that listen to these things, get an opinion that might be different to you, get it agree with you, uh, watch things differently and, and form your own opinions. Think about things yourself and just remember that at the end of the day, we're all movie fans. We love Star Wars. At the end of the day, we're going to watch them whether they're shit or good and we're all lucky enough to have something that is brought a lot of joy to the most part for us and, uh, yeah, just entertains us, whether it just might be good reasons or bad reasons. Yeah, I'm just hoping in my heart of hearts that Disney have understood, you know, maybe the mistakes of the past. I know they not necessarily are putting it out there that they, you know, maybe they know that there was mistakes made or decisions that were the wrong calls, but I've, hopefully they've realigned themselves and with the positivity of the Mandalorian and maybe, again, in hindsight, John Favreau has jumped on board. He did Iron Man. He's he's an actor. He knows his stuff. He's been around Hollywood for a few years, knows how it works. Kind of, in hindsight, it would have been great to see him do a Star Wars movie um, and whether he would have done things a little bit better or at least stuck to a plan, but um, I just, again, hope, fingers crossed, I, I, I liked, I wasn't anti-Disney when they bought the franchise. I know people were a bit tentative and they've probably been justifiably correct with um, that sort of stuff. But I just hope now Disney have reset, adjust, really honestly looked at the feedback and not just the bottom line. And, and again, that was the other thing that worried me about The Last Jedi, that even months after and when the blu-ray got released and the the 4k version a lot of again the perceptions again you you sort of hearing um was that disney again like well we sold plenty of tickets people went and and people are buying the dvd so it must be a great movie that's not necessarily true it's star wars like i actually got a copy of the last show for free so i didn't pay a cent for it and i even said i wouldn't pay a cent for it i'll just get it It'll be part of a box set that I buy one day when they put all the movies together. But they've got to not worry sometimes about that and, and misconstrue that. Go Yeah, go to your Rotten Tomatoes or your IMDb. See what people are really saying about your movie. Yeah, okay, filter out some of the real toxic negative stuff, but really look at the people. Again, even maybe like this podcast, like listen to some of the – like we're not all negative, like – there are positives. They're on the right track in some areas, but, you know, they've got to work on others. So um, I just hope that they learn from potential the mistakes or realise that mistakes were made and moving forward, like for the next sort of round of potential trilogies that aren't connected to the Skywalker saga, um, that they make the right, right creative choices and they really map it out before they start filming 
and they're not doing everything on the fly, then um, they can really set themselves up to, again, be, you know, Star Wars can be the most amazing thing. And like you said, a huge event every maybe two years or whatever, and, and then, then you can have some really cool TV shows that run alongside those or maybe somewhat in, interconnect. Um, I think that's um, well, that's that's my wish. I just hope I don't walk away a jaded old hermit like Luke Skywalker in the Last Jedi <laughs> away from this franchise. Kill it. Going to my uh, move on. If going to my to. going to my fridge and grabbing some soy milk and dipping some Wind green dye into it. Yeah. Look at this. And yeah, we're all as I said, we're all going to see Star Wars. Doesn't matter what it is. Uh, we love it. Um, and I think, you know, I'm sure Disney are going to listen to this, but uh, don't be afraid. Just take a bit of a break, guys. Like, if we don't get a Star Wars movie for another couple of years, I, I think we're fine. Um, you know, uh, I know I am. I love Star Wars, but again, I don't need one every year. I'm, I'm fine with that. It makes it even more special when we have one in, like, two or three years' time. Yeah, again, I'm not... I'm happy with the content of a TV show um, when we're getting The Mandalorian Season 2 like I said, Obi-Wan's in production. I think that that that's fine for the time being. Like, and I don't know what, to be honest, maybe I've tried to distance myself a little bit. I don't, what, what are they even doing? up? And then obviously Clone Wars, they're going to do the right thing and finish Clone Wars off. What Movie-wise, what are they doing? Do you actually know off the top of your head? Because you hear so many different rumours. I know, I know the... I know the the two blokes that do Game of Thrones were on board, and then the Game of Thrones got smashed, and then all of a sudden they're not doing a trilogy, uh, and then Ryan Johnson supposedly had a trilogy, and then that was taken away, and then the rumours are he's got it again, and oh no, we've just backdated it, and uh, so there's a lot of who knows what's true, but I don't actually know what the next live action movie thing would even I remotely think, be. Um. I think Kevin Feig's involved as well. Um, mm. Look, from what I know is I think, and I could be wrong, I'm sure somebody will correct me out there, but I think the Ryan Johnson one was put on hold. I think the Kevin Feig one is what they're looking at now. I think 2021 or 2022 is when they're looking at, and I believe this is one set like a 1,000 years in the past. Um, I think they're still looking at doing that um, sort of back in the night. So like Republic old, days. old Republic, yeah. Yeah, yeah. look, I, I'm pretty sure that's the one that they keep sort of saying is still on board. And look, I think that would be cool. Like you've got a completely open-ended spectrum now, like just, you know, paint a new brush. You've got whatever you can do. Like it's the thing about every single one of the Disney ones that we've had, they've been connected somehow, you know, whereas The Mandalorian works on its own two feet because, okay, we know when it's set. But, I mean, it's, it's just its own beast. It doesn't have to be connected. Like, okay, we've got a baby Yoda species thing but and a few mentions of, you know, here and there and they've gone to Tatooine and whatever. But, like, it's not – like, not everyone in Star Wars is related, you know. Not everyone's a Palpatine or a Skywalker. Yeah. Like, you, you've got so much stuff happening around it. So that that's exciting. I think that's an exciting prospect to go back to that period. And I hope they stick to that. I hope – they do. And, like, look, I, I, for one, would put money on there being in episode 10, 11, and 12 one day. It will happen. We know it will. Um, but in the meantime, let's focus on something a little bit different. And, um, yeah, I think I think it's exciting prospect if it's a 1,000 years in the past. Like, that's that's cool. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't mind seeing some sort of Darth Plagueis yeah. movie. But, again, I I'm not too sure. Like, I, I sort of – I wouldn't say given up, but I don't 
religiously read the books like I used to or the comics and like you said, like there's so much stuff out there than that's the other thing with the standalone movies. It is good to have a bit more um, information about some of these characters that we don't always get in a movie, but then sometimes I feel like, oh, you have to have watched the TV show and read the comic to get a full understanding of certain things happening in the movie, which that's what I don't like. I like the movie should be almost standalone that if you're a fan, you can watch the movie, but if you're not such a super fan or even have the time to go back and read the extra stuff that you're not missing out. Um, mm. I hope they don't do too much of that. But also the big rumour I heard last night was that Mandalorian 2 might incorporate how we get to know how the Emperor survived to be in Rise of Skywalker. Which, I mean, I think I saw a whisper of it. Um, I mean, look, I would be fine with that because, I mean, that's a huge, big, bloody plot hole that, you know, they just gel over. But, look, I I think that's a big thing just quickly with the sequel trilogy. Like, I'm like you. I don't really read much of the things in between. I'm planning on it. Like, I actually, I was in a bookstore the other day and I saw one of the books and I like how if you look in the front few pages, they've got kind of like a big timeline showing, like, well, this book fits in here. Buy the other books and you'll know. Like, I like that. So I've always been a bit confused because there's, what, 30 years between Return of the Jedi and Force Awakens, so I'd love to know more mm. about what, how we got to where we got in the Force Awakens. So I'd be fine with that if the Mandalorian explored it. Like again, I like it that it's on its own two feet, but I also like a callback here and there. Like I, I like the fact that we went to Tatooine. I liked the the Gungan reference. Like you know, just yeah. and I, you know, like just random little things like that is just. But that's the thing. You don't need to go over the top with your fan service. A mention here or there is fine. So. I, I would be fine with that. I think that would be kind of cool. Well, Ben, uh, I really appreciate you coming to talk Star Wars with me and in particular The Last Jedi for Sequel Suck. Uh, may the Force be with you. Thank you very much, uh, Cable. It's been fun. And uh, if I may just conclude things by saying that I don't like sand. It's coarse and rough and irritating and it <laughs> gets everywhere. And uh, when and it comes to The Last t- Jedi, I hate it! I hate all of it! <laughs> <laughs> uh, yes, and I do like Padme in her little white suit that gets ripped as oh. well. So, um, Thank yes. you, George Lucas. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> On that note, farewell. Well, there you have it, fans. That was the first official episode of Sequel Suck. And I hope you enjoyed it. Uh, Thanks again to Ben Waterworth for helping me talk Star Wars, in particular The Last Jedi. I hope we weren't too negative. But uh, as we move forward into further podcasts, it definitely will be more positive spin on sequels that, um, you know, don't get the love they probably deserve. in the coming weeks, I've got a episode with my friend Rhett Butler where we talk Scream 2. I'm hoping to have Colin Hilding on for Blade 2, the Wesley Snipes film. Uh, and I'm looking to do more Rats, which I know is not really a sequel per se, but it's definitely the follow-up movie to Clerks uh, or set in the same universe that Kevin Smith did, which, again, is another movie that doesn't get as much love as it probably should. So until then... Keep watching those sequels. By definition alone, they're inferior films.